Welcome back to AI Dialogues. I'm your host, Stephanie Verquoyen, an educational developer here at McMaster University. And today I'm joined by Jessica Rodriguez and Luis Navarro, who are graduate students and instructors in the Department of Communication and New Media Studies. So they're here to share their experience allowing students to use generative AI in courses that they've taught. Let's get started. Jessica, Lewis, thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks. So to get us started, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about how students were allowed to use generative AI in your course. And Lewis, why don't you get us started? Thank you, Stephanie. Yes, so uh, last semester in fall 2023, I was teaching uh, three courses for the, as you were saying, the communications and uh, media arts department. One was international communication. The other one was new media art practices. And the third one was design and code. And so for the three of, of these courses, I allowed the students to use uh, generative AI for brainstorming and also for revising their work. I was teaching two courses, one with the media art program and the other one with the School of Arts. And they are both kind of like related into uh, creating images with technology. So for the third assignment, I offer the option to collaboratively create something with AI tools. So for 1AO3, which is an introduction to media arts, I allow them to use ChatGPT to create uh, for creating writing. And for the other one, which is IT, I3, I think, in the School of Arts, I allow them to use MidJourney and Canvas AI or similar tools for generative media to create a multimedia project. So I'd say just through anecdotal evidence and conversation that a lot of instructors kind of went the opposite way and didn't permit use. What factored into your decisions to actually allow students to engage with the, with these tools? Yeah, so basically I, I think that these tools are just here to be used and we cannot ignore them anymore. And I always like mention my experiences as an undergrad student trying to kind of like manage the idea of using Wikipedia back then and how professors were like banning Wikipedia at all instead of like really knowing how the tool was working. So I didn't want to do that with, in, with my classes and I wanted to teach them how to properly collaborate with AI tools, but also the ethical layers of using those, those tools to generate text and images. For me, I think, you know, teaching courses related to media arts, it's important to, as Jessica was saying, also engage with these technologies. So particularly for design and code, I also was looking into the job postings that you find in uh, on the web, how they were using these um, tools. And I've encountered that is now it's a standard practice, we could say, to use generative AI and tools similar to ChatGPT to debug, debug code. So to look for errors in code and to make it more efficient. So as Jessica was saying, these technologies are already there in the workplace. And I think that is valuable as instructors to show them, the students how to use them and for them to choose if they want to use them in the workplace. And also if they have an interview, for instance, for a job, so they know what these tools do and so they can you know, talk about them in the job interview. As you, you were kind of alluding to, this is fairly new technology for most people. Did you have any sense of kind of vulnerability knowing that you were kind of learning this technology perhaps alongside your students? And how did you go about educating yourselves? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question because I, I was very open with the students that I wasn't really using AI tools in my own creative work as an artist, but, but I was interested in the possibilities of AI tools. So I actually was like looking for examples uh, from other artists and why they were using AI tools and how they were using AI tools and also try to kind of like show these students also the kind of like the dark side of technology in general it's not just ai tools like in general there's always like technology has has biases it's built over very kind of like constraints ideas of how humans can be and should be in this society so so yeah i was reading and these more critical approaches to ai sharing that with the students but also kind of like looking for artistic possibilities and how ai is helping artists too I just planned some assignments around ChatGPT without really knowing what was ChatGPT. Nonetheless, again, I did my master's in related to artificial intelligence. You know, artificial intelligence is a, is a field that is really, really broad. So in my case, I was doing music, which has nothing to do with text generation. And so anyways, I just did it. And I told the students when the moment arrived, which was at the middle of the semester, that have now this assignment using ChatGPT, I told them we are going to learn together because I, you know, I just basically did my account, I told them this week. And so we were using an account that I created for the class and then we were learning together. And I think that in terms of vulnerability, that actually, I, I like to be vulnerable in that sense when working with technology. So the students know that it's okay to do it that way and it's okay to just be experimenting. And I think that the university is one of the places where you can experiment, perhaps in a safe way. I think it uh, definitely goes a long way to kind of flattening that power differential that can just kind of exist between students and instructors. I want to touch a little bit on something that my last guest said. And he had proposed that without foundational skills in critical thinking and communication, there's no good use of AI, particularly in a higher education context. And that actually using AI undermines learning these skills. What would you say to that, particularly coming from the Department of Communication? Yeah, I. <laughs> that's a tough question because kind of like an idea that we have to first learn the theory and the critical approaches to learn use the technology. But I actually, as an artist, and I, I'm doing my PhD here, the media program, and my, my project is a production research creation project. So I do believe like experimenting with tools at the same time as researching and looking at more critical ways to use those tools, it's a way to really kind of like get that knowledge and that experience. So it's, yeah, basically, I I really follow these pedagogies in which you learn by doing. And the, the kind of the classroom as a workshop space where students can be feel, feel free to experiment. And I think that I also think that that statement from that other professor is like, is a shared statement because I have heard this from other professors. But that also, I think, is undermining the ability of students to think by themselves. And they're very critical with, with those technologies. Like I was saying, as part of the this assignment, I asked them to keep a journal and just share the process of learning this new tool and collaborating with this new tool. And then I had some feedback activities with the students along with my TAs that were helping me. 
And I was like, I was very not surprised, but I was very kind of like happy of the engagement and the questions that they were asking themselves without me prompting or giving them the answers. So the students are very critical. And actually, it's like it's it's a good thing that they're also experimenting because most of them, when I asked them if they were using AI, like half of them, they were saying no, because I'm scared of that tool. And I think that it's actually more scary people just being scared of of mm-hmm. a technology when we're, we can also shape that that technology so so yes i know it's a, it's a complicated subject but for me uh practice and just experimenting and just experiencing the tool uh is very richful for for students that i trust their their judgments mm-hmm. yeah trust definitely comes through in that answer and this idea of like having transparency about how they're actually using these tools I mean, again, they are developing this in the at home, and they will develop this in the workplace. But then, where is the critical thinking happening? I think it's in the university. So I, I feel that a middle ground could be interesting, which is what I do in my courses. Uh, currently, as you know, McMaster has three different levels of ac- acceptance for using AI in courses, and so I use the the, the middle one, which is uh, restricted use, so they can use it for certain tasks. And then that is, you know, they it's 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 limited, but they 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 are able to use it. And uh, I always I also encourage them to use it. So so as Jessica was saying, they ask questions, they take uh, their own decisions, etc. So I want to touch on a couple things there. Knowing that there were some boundaries around their their use, but also kind of in the spirit of transparency, in which some of these conversations were happening. Did you ever suspect that your students were misusing AI? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, I think obviously the problem that we we all have is on essays and just using ChatGPT. And I actually addressed this because I was doing some quizzes because of the bus strike that happened in late November. I had to switch those quizzes that were happening in person to on Avenue. So I was obviously I was like, yeah, they, they will use ChatGPT, at least some of them. So I decided to openly just address that during lecture. And I was just like, let's let's do this exercise. And I and I was actually very open and I was like Look, the, this question, I actually wrote this question using ChatGPT. So let's just like try to use ChatGPT to answer its own question. And then I was like kind of like working, just showing the conversation with ChatGPT. And then I was like asking ChatGPT to grade itself based on my rubric. And at the end, uh, a ChatGPT said that he will deserve like two out of five points or something. So I was just like very openly saying like why this is happening. And it's because obviously ChatGPT is just giving like very kind of like broad answers, very general answers that you can notice. It's not a good answer just because it's, it's very broad. We all are experimenting with some kind of how technology can help us navigate more easily the academic life. So yeah, I think that what I what I told my students is like, if I cannot see or I cannot prove that you're using ChatGPT, but you won't get a good grade. Why? Because ChatGPT is just giving like very general answers. And actually, if you use ChatGPT to give like very detailed, very well done answer, that means that you are collaborating with ChatGPT, and that is like a good grade just because you're doing that process of not just like copy pasting the first answer, but really working with the ideas and editing the ideas of ChatGPT. 
Absolutely. It takes a degree of skill to be able to engage with the tools in that way. And I think that's such a great example of taking that meta-analysis of actually using the tools and, and demonstrating to students how the tools fall short in some ways. So with students that I've spoken to, and I remember when having Jovan on the, the show, you kind of have this dual, students want to be using these technologies, but Jessica, as you had mentioned, they're also sometimes afraid of using them. What sort of feedback did you get from your students about their, their learning experience in your course? Yes, so uh, lots of feedback. Uh, I thought that the, the students from Design and Code were going to be using it a lot to to debug code and to brainstorm some code ideas, but I found that very few people wanted to use it, and I think they just wanted to. One of the one student told me that they didn't want it to use it much because they wanted to do to learn it, learn how to code. So they were kind of like afraid that by asking ChatGPT they would lose the potential of understanding what the code was doing, which I found very surprising. So, you know, after a couple of weeks where I actually showed them and encouraged them to use ChatGPT, then for the most of the semester until the very end for the final project, I, you know, most of the students, I didn't see them using ChatGPT. Uh, For the final project in that course, I saw that a couple of students used ChatGPT for very, like, specific small functions, small code, and... And they also realized, uh, I remember one student, and the code wasn't working, and the student told me, I I asked ChatGPT, and ChatGPT gave me this code. And so after debugging the code, we, the student and I realized that it was, there was something a little bit wrong, and that's why the code wasn't working. So that was a learning experience, because uh, not only for the student, but also for me in, in regards of, you know, that it doesn't really, you know, even in code, even if in, in something technological, or technical that you are asking, the, the, the machine can produce errors. So you always have to revise the work. Uh, so that was some of the feedback. Other feedback that I received uh, from the New Media Art Practices course was uh, similar to Jessica. Lots of students are afraid of uh, artificial intelligence. They, some of them, many of them haven't used it. Mostly they were saying, I was asking, why haven't you used it? They say that it doesn't, they, they don't see any point because the profs, they can't use it in most of their courses. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. And to your point about a lot of instructors kind of not permitting use, I was curious if you had given any thought or could kind of conjecture about how you think your experience and your students' experience might have differed had you not permitted AI use. I think, yeah, it's just like contributing to the fear and just like not really experiencing at least Again, like the classroom or at least these kind of like uh, courses that I was teaching, I think they're like a safe space to like experiment with art and with technology in general. So, so yeah, by not using it, it's just like it wouldn't really like super affect the students. But at least by using it, I offer the student the opportunity to openly say, I'm using an AI tool, and what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And, and the implications that, that AI, like AI tools are having on the job market. And they, they will be asked. So, so hopefully, as Luis was saying, like if they have a job interview and they are, are asked about AI prompting, at least they have a very small experience with the assignment that I offer. So yeah. I think the, that disclosure piece is so important because I, I feel like people are using these tools but aren't always necessarily um, being transparent about when they're being used. 
and kind of that is experimentation uh, ties with uh, a lot of what you've been saying, Lewis, about if they're not learning them in, in the universities or higher education, where are they going to learn them? So one of the things that happened for this course of new media art practices when I was going to teach it, and so this is the, the second time I'm teaching it. The first time I got one TA, as a, a marker TA for 75 students, and this year... I was I was told that they are cutting some resources from the university for sessional profs, and so they they told me that you know they are we're gonna see if we can get you a TA. Usually you have to have a TA, but now that they are cutting the resources, I think they if for seventy five students you might not get a TA, so you might have to rework some of the the stuff that you are doing. Going back to the idea of explaining things to students, ChatGPT for what you know the course of design and code was helpful or my idea was for the students to if they don't understand what i'm saying or they you know they want to you know debug this code and you know i'm the only prof there because there's no tas then this is a really good assistant for doing that it's like i don't understand the prof because prof has an accent and i don't know like i i fear the prof which is also often what happens so they can ask the, the, the tool, and the tool, will, as Jessica was saying, will give a simplified version of what the prof was saying. And also, in the case of sessional profs, like you can use this as an assistant for students to ask questions related to, to the course and then start actively answering their own questions, especially if you don't have any TA or any, uh, any support. In the case of places where, such as the university, where they are cutting the resources for Sessional profs, and so as a sessional prof, you also have, because your contract is limited, you have limited time to develop resources and engage with the students because you only have the office hours and you only have the moments where you are teaching the class. Otherwise, you are uh, giving your work for free, which I don't have any problem, but I see that that's a problem. I'm just saying that this is, um, you know, if that's the case where the same economy is pushing the you know the resources out of of the workplace well good use of ai in this case could be just okay how can i have an assistant for free and this is not necessarily going going to take jobs or it's not going to take full complete jobs but it's going to modify or extend what people requires but it's the same as with the computer you know my dad he doesn't know how to use the computer and and because of that they can't even go and work a call center because in a call center everything is through the computer it's not that the computer took their jobs it's just that people who knew how to use the computer took their jobs i think that's a great place to end things off thank you both so much for being here thank you so much thanks and in our next episode we're going to be taking a closer look at ai literacy and how this fits into the conversation about using ai in teaching and learning until then